Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Jeff Henderson. Welcome to the Launch University Podcast. My name is Kevin Jennings, and the role of Jeff Henderson will be played by me today. So I'm joined by the awesome David Farmer and Shane Benson, the other two co-founders of Launch University. And today we're going to be talking about listening. So we have an awesome privilege of having Shane on our team because he actually had a listening coach. So he's our resident expert on listening. I'm sure he doesn't feel comfortable with that, but I will say that today. So gentlemen, how are you all doing? Great. Doing great, Thanks, Kevin. Kevin. You make you're an awesome host, by the way, and sound engineer, I might add. Thank you so much. Well, today the quest that all the listeners can hold me accountable to is being audible through the entire podcast. So if at any point you hear me go a little too quickly, you can just, you know, shoot me a tweet and say, Kevin, work on that. Because that's my goal is to work on speaking at a better pace. So today what we're gonna do is jump right into this podcast. What we really hope you get out of it is understanding how you can become a better listener because if you're a launcher and you're a leader, you know how important that is to first of all serve your customers, to lead your team, make sure your family is aligned as you build your project, your idea. And Shane has some really awesome insights he can share with us today about that. So we'll jump right into it. So Shane, um, three years ago, you got a listening coach. Can you just unpack the idea of how that happened? What is a listening coach and what did you learn? Well, I actually stumbled on it, quite honestly. And let me just say this right off the start. I I am in the process of being a better listener and it's taken a long time. um, But there's there's a lot of things that I've learned through some examples that I got through my listening coach. And uh, it's kind of an interesting story. If you got just a second, I was in a book club. Uh, We started reading this book, called Can You Hear Me Now, written by the name of a gentleman, uh, Dr. Dallas Dimmitt, and his wife, Nancy. And they wrote this book, Can You Hear Me Now? And at the end of the book, we were like so fascinated because it had some really good principles, some really great takeaways. He said, how could we find out a little bit more? So we just looked in the back of the book and emailed Dr. Dallas Dimmitt. And he responded rather quickly and said, sure, I'd love to talk with you. And Dr. D lives, I call him affectionately Dr. D, he lives in Phoenix, Arizona. And we got on a Zoom call, which is similar to Skype. And um, he's in his late 70s, and here he is using this really cool technology. And we just started a conversation about being a better listener. And he encouraged me by saying, hey, I'm more than happy to be a thinking partner and a listening coach for you if you'd be interested. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And so we proceeded on this journey of just learning how to be a better listener. Hmm. That's fascinating. So you you mentioned to me um, that one of the things that made it really cool was that Dr. Diaz has a framework for listening. So if you don't mind even just unpacking the framework that he shared with you, and I think we'll talk about how that applies to people as we kind of go along. Um, I think the part that I was most fascinated in um, was his challenge around helping people self-discover solutions to their own problems. I don't know about you, but I know many of us, uh, and specifically me, I get really energized when somebody comes to me with a problem and I can solve it. I mean, the hair on the back of my neck actually stands up when I go, oh, 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 I can solve this. It happens all the time with my wife. And invariably, really what she wants me to do is just listen. You've probably heard that before. They just want you to listen. She wants me to listen before jumping into a solution. And so what he you know, he shared with me was 
there are some ways that you can help people self-discover the solution to their own problem. And in doing so, you actually bring value to the relationship and you encourage them by allowing them to kind of self-discover some of the solutions to some of the challenges they're working on. So this framework um, really begins by understanding first and foremost the individual that you're sitting across the table from or that you're in a conversation with. And and that's really called anchoring. Um, So the first thought that he shared with me was around this idea of anchoring. And anchoring is essentially putting yourself in a position to truly value the person you're sitting across the table from. Like, in this conversation that I'm about to get in, how much do I value this person? Because if you start there, it actually can set you up to have the best kind of conversation where you're truly listening and engaging. But I think that's very, very fun. It's fundamental to uh, this greater idea of trying to help people um, feel valued and listened to. And so anchoring is critical to that. And, And essentially what that looks like, if I'm sitting across the table from somebody, the first thing I think of is, hey, I'm going to be with Kevin, and what can I do to make sure Kevin feels valued in this conversation? That's anchoring. You set yourself up for the next pro- the next step in the process, and that's really, really important as you start to begin a conversation. Now, that makes a ton of sense. So I'm going to summarize that for a second. So the idea of anchoring is really me making – it's really all me. It's mental about me acknowledging – the person maybe telling myself hey i appreciate this person so i want to make sure i'm I'm, my head's in the game before we start talking that's really important too when you're in a difficult conversation i Mm -hmm. mean quite honestly we've all been in situations where you're like about to get in a conversation with you with somebody you really don't like or you're upset with well just hitting the pause button and saying listen how can i bring value to this person even though i might not agree with them even though i'm upset how can I bring value? That puts you in the best position to be a better listener. That's awesome. Jumping in on the conversation, just uh, remind our listeners who are launchers, this uh, this concept has application in your personal relationships, whether that's with family, friends, coworkers. But if you think about it through the lens of I'm launching a project or an initiative or a new business – You've got a lot of people that you need to listen to. It might be partners. It might be folks that are bringing resources to your project, but it might be your customers as well. So I just challenge listeners as you continue to unpack this framework, think about it through multiple lens. Mm. Because this this is almost uh, think of it uh, about the the feedback concept. We talk about that a lot when we go through the launch process. Feedback is critical. So I love these these listening skills you're going to unpack, and I think they can help us do a better job of working through that process. So just thought I'd throw that framework in. Yeah, I think that's really important, David. So anchoring is this first step. Um, the second step in this is what we would call focusing. I don't know about you, but I often get distracted in conversations. Um, It can be a variety of things. It can be technology. It can be other conversations going on in the room. It can be nature. Look, there's a squirrel. You know, it's that kind of attention um, or lack thereof that I think is really, really important that when you're in a conversation that you truly focus in on the person. One of the things that I, I recall Dr. D saying is how can you be in a conversation where they walk away and say, I was the most important person in the room. Like, how does that happen? What would you have to do to make sure somebody felt like they were the center of your attention? 
well, that's going to take a lot of diligence. And, um, you know, at home, this happens to me oftentimes. I know, Kevin, earlier we were talking about being in a restaurant with TVs on. And if Sports Channel's on, it's like, uh-oh, i got to really focus. I actually sit on the other side of the counter because I want to make sure that – or the table to make sure I'm focused in on my wife uh, versus other distractions. But being focused is super, super important. There's a lot of ways to do that in the business world as well, but I think you've got to put some intentionality to it. you got to limit the distractions. Put the computer down, turn the phone off, or put it in your pocket – um, get rid of some of these distractions so that you can really focus in on the individual. Can, can I have a follow up there for, for, really for both of you? When you're, when you're leading anything or even, you know, first of all, your mind's going a lot because you have a lot of ideas. You're trying to task that pop in your head when you first wake up. I mean, I feel like there's this constant influx of even just in your brain. And then you have people who want your time, your phone's probably constantly buzzing, email, whatever your thing is, um, that, probably gets the most of your time as far as incoming uh, information. What are some things you do, David, to focus? Because I feel like everyone's different, has their own challenges. So I'll be curious to even ask that right at this point. Well, I'll add, first of all, I heard it said one time that all ambiguous behavior is interpreted negatively. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that means, Shane, I think about your reference uh, to technology or the TV in the restaurant. If I glance at my watch if I just look away at somebody walking past the room, my motive might be pure, but to the person that I'm engaged in conversation with, they don't really understand what my motive may be, and it tends to be interpreted negatively. So I think that's helpful because to your question, Kevin, I, I feel like I struggle with this all the time, and I, it's almost like I got good David on on one shoulder saying, lock in on this person or on this meeting or on this conversation and, and put 100% of your energy into it. And then I got bad David over here going, work on your to-do list, knock this thing off, check that email. So to your question, Kevin, one of the things I do sometimes is I'll have a uh, something I can write on in a pen so that if I do get one of those sort of distracting thoughts, I can just jot it down and come back to it later. It sort of parks it so that I can be free to come back to the conversation I'm supposed to be fully engaged in. So, again, going back to step number one, anchoring, oftentimes, uh, you know, you talked about good David and bad David. When bad David pops up or bad Shane or bad Kevin pops up, you go back to, okay, am I truly honoring this person in this moment? And if not, let me focus in on that. Mm-hmm. My dad always used to ask me after – Conversations. He, I, I can all, I can remember this to this day. I'd come back and I'd say, I met so and so, and he would say, "What color are their eyes?" <laughs> and he wanted me. He, he did that for teach me eye contact. But the other thing it does is it really makes you focus. I mean, if your focus is, what color are their eyes? You know, it's like, oh yeah, I don't think I was paying attention. Yeah, you know, I really wasn't looking them in the eye and focusing. Mm, it's really important. A that's a great question. Yeah, yeah, I would not do well on that. Thank you. I need to <laughs> got a new, it's a good got a new get a new thing to work on. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So, so we anchor, and I think what you just showed me is I, I think I even I was underestimating the value of anchoring. Why even while I was listening to you, I was like, yeah, I anchor. I walk in the house and I'll say I love my wife, and I'll come right in. But to think that I'm anchored enough to be able to fight off distractions, whatever that is for you, I think that you can need to build that habit of mm-hmm. what is anchoring for you to truly make make it meaningful. So we, we're anchored, we focus, and what's the next step in the framework? The next step in the framework, and um, I would call it summarizing. And somebody says, well, what is summarizing? Well, it's essentially allowing someone to hear their own thoughts, to summarize what they just said. I, this, is, this is probably where you spend the majority of your time in a conversation, 
And the reason you do that is because each of us, whenever we enter a conversation, we all enter in with a certain point of view. And uh, a point of view, um, my point of view is 100% accurate 100% of the time. And, and I'm laughing when I say that because here's the reality. The other person's point of view is the same thing. It's 100% accurate 100% of the time because it's yours. It's your point of view. And so if you do not do a good job of listening or summarizing the conversation, you don't allow that other you don't allow the listener to actually hear their point of view. Sometimes it's really powerful by summarizing what they're saying, and I'll give you an example of that, but by summarizing what somebody's saying, it allows them to hit the pause in the conversation to actually hear their own thoughts. That's powerful. So an example would be, I would say, Kevin, here's what I heard you saying, and I repeat back what you just said. That was what summarizing is. Or I may say, Kevin, let me hit the pause button. I've been rambling a little bit. What are you hearing me say? Right now, summarizing goes both ways because sometimes it's powerful as a communicator to actually have the other person repeat back what I'm trying to say. Because I can't tell you the number of times I went, whoa, 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 that's not what I said, or that's not what I meant to say. Well, that's only captured. You're only you're only cognizant of that if some if you allow somebody to summarize your thoughts and vice versa. So it's a really powerful technique to make. Let me put you on pause for just a second. Hear us. I think this is what you said. Did I get that? And by allowing somebody to hear their own thoughts, you actually take them down this path of being able to now begin to self-discover maybe the solution to their own challenges. Shane, you've gotten really good at that too. I will, I will. Uh, I have the benefit of being around you quite a bit. And so I have seen you apply that technique. I've even seen the people that you work with apply the technique. They've picked it up uh, from you. Talk a little bit about why that's so important for you, because I I know you well. I know your strengths, and others may not know you as well. So comment on that, because I think it everything that you're describing has made you so much more effective in your role as a leader. Well, I've been... um I think I don't want to say accused. I think that's a too strong a word. But I've been told that I could sell ice to Eskimos, and so they're they're in that inherent with that is this ability to almost steamroll a conversation. Like you are going to buy what I am selling. Let me just keep talking, and I'll wear you down, and eventually you'll get there. And can I just jump in and say, and that may be the characteristic of many of our listeners who are visionary launchers, and you got to have some of that to take your idea and. Bring Breakthrough, and that—that's a good thing. That's a strength. Oh, it's absolutely a strength. But oftentimes, you may have heard this too: a strength overused can also be a weakness. And so, for me, what this has done for me is it's allowed, in a couple situations, it's actually allowed me to be put on pause so that I can think about what I'm truly trying to communicate. And more importantly, it's allowed other people to hear what they're saying. And then there's such a joy in allowing others to self-discover solutions to their problems. This played out for me. I'll never forget. I was on a talk with Dr. Call with Dr. D, and I happened to be home. And as soon as the call got done, Gina comes in the house, and she starts to just talk about this challenge that we were having with one of our kids. And, man, as soon as she starts talking, it's like, I got the solution. This is what we need to do. And I wanted to just jump in and go, this is what it is. But instead, I said, honey, here's what I hear you saying. Is that, did I get it? She's like, yes. Here, here's, the, here's the situation with our kids and 
This is what you're dealing with. Okay, got it. You've probably spent more time thinking about this than I have. What are you thinking about? And through that, through those two questions, or maybe me summarizing and then saying, you're thinking about this more than I am. What are you thinking about? She actually came to the solution on her by herself. I was like, this stuff works. Oh my gosh. You know, I walked away. I was like, I didn't say anything. I just summarized back, asked her one question, and that was it. And so I, I think there is power in, and especially there's there's some some real satisfaction in, especially when you honor people, you honor people by allowing them to self-discover some of the challenges or the solutions to some of their challenges. One of the questions I asked you earlier when you were laying this out for me, because um, I, I agree with David, I feel like I feel like I just learned your Jedi secret because every time I've been in a meeting with you for the past few years, it's like, man, Shane is, he's so attentive to whatever I have going on. He's so attentive to everyone in the room. And I never knew this, what you're doing. I mean, of course, you're still attentive, but I feel like I just I just kind of learned, learned everything. Um, the question I had for you was how you mentioned the idea that Dr. D for you was a a thinking partner and a listening coach. And I just, that, that, that phrase is just something I've never heard before. How do you start to transition, you know, from the person who's trying to become the better listener to the person who's becoming the, the listening partner, the, the coach side of it? Cause I feel like there's a, if, is there even a shift or transition at all that even happens in that process? And, um, and I know when, when I brought up to you earlier, you mentioned the idea of a of a who versus a how. We we kind of go back to that for me? Well, I, th- I think uh, the spirit of that is, and, and just to make sure I'm capturing, you're asking really how do you how do you move from maybe being a listener to this thinking partner? And and I think all of us have a desire to do be better in this area, and we often talk about, oh, how do I do that? What's the three steps? What are the three things I need to do to be a better person? What's the how? And I would tell you to focus on the who engaging somebody into the process with you like actually sharing with somebody i I truly want to listen in in this conversation and um maybe there's somebody on your team that can help you think about that or somebody that you trust but how can they actually help you get better at these skills and and you you touched on something i think is really important I don't think as much about being a better listener. I really do think about trying to be a better thinking partner. And by think helping somebody be a, being a thinking partner with somebody, you actually it forces you to engage them on their thinking. And when you do that, they actually get to a spot where they become better at kind of self-discovering some of their solutions. So Shane, if you take this concept and you apply it to feedback, that might even be difficult to receive. It, it may, be, may be accurate, but it's just hard. H- how does it apply if, if you're on the receiving end of tough feedback from a customer, from a coworker, from maybe a family member or friend? So if um, oh, uh, um, an easy way to do that first, David, it, let's assume that you wanted to give me some feedback that I was talking too much, that I was steamrolling the conversation. And you said, hey, can I give you some feedback? And, I, of course, I would hope I would say yes. And you would say, hey, I feel like in that conversation you were really steamrolling the conversation. My role as a better listener and thinking partner is to say, David, here's what I hear. Now, most of us want to respond immediately. Well, let me tell you why I was being you know, steamrolling. The better thing to do is say, David, here's what I hear you saying. In that conversation, I was steamrolling the conversation. 
and it gives you a chance to hear your own thoughts and to add back. I would actually respond back with, tell me more. That's a good question. Yeah. Tell me more. Unpack that. Because I'm thinking, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of one of our listeners that's launching something. It's their baby. They're super passionate about it. Uh, they've got up uh, their own head of steam, but it it lands on somebody in a way that's not as positive as they hoped, and they have to receive feedback. It's going to be hard, but we need to all recognize it's healthy to stop and ask that same question. Tell me more. Let me learn. And recognize this is an opportunity to take the input from other people and potentially use it to take uh, your product, your idea, your business, uh, and make enhancements that are going to take it to another level. You've got to be good at listening to others, particularly those that uh, they're your they're your target audience. Well, oftentimes, you know, especially when we're launching things, we've actually thought about it a whole lot more than most people because it's our idea. Um, give yourself permission to allow people to share some thoughts and ideas and just use that time to summarize what they're saying. It'll give you more time to process and actually challenge your own thinking, and there's true value in that. And if you're not careful, you miss the opportunity to actually validate your idea, right? Because you've, you jump straight from prototype to launch. You, you've got the idea, you've thought through it, and you want to launch. You miss the opportunity by not engaging people to actually get to hear your own thinking out loud by asking somebody, say, hey, what did you hear me say, Kevin? And you get to repeat back, oh, that's so refreshing for me because I go, oh, yeah, that's, I think I meant that. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant by hearing my own thoughts shared back to me. It's really powerful. I would actually, if, if I was from the, from the launch perspective, um, as far as in the launch loop and the launch sequence, I often tell people when you're developing a marketing campaign, the best thing you can do is use the language of the customer and try to understand how they're describing the problem. And so when I'm starting with a company who, let's say, hasn't done any marketing before, which most of our listeners may be in that place of, I'm not very far into the promotion side of what I'm doing, take the language that you're using that you see when people's eyes light up and when they finally get the idea. Those phrases are the ones you need to put on to emails and advertisements because those are the ones that people understand. And I, I, I say, let's call the sales team and see what, what's working for them on the phone. Because once again, those are the things where when you're trying to do a one-to-many communication, you want to use language that people have summarized, actually. And, and I think that's actually a great way to get that language faster if you don't have a team is just hear people summarize the idea back to you, use their words, to describe it because that's probably the language that's going to be used commonly is not the one of the expert who has years and years of knowledge. It's probably the person who heard it in a five minute ex- elevator pitch and their words back to you are probably the best words to use in a marketing piece as well. So um, I have one question. I know we're getting close to the end here. I wanted to ask you, so I want to summarize one thing and that is you said, instead of asking how to be a better listener, ask who can help you become a better listener. Is that is that the great way to, okay, so that, I think that's probably one takeaway I would want to make sure people don't miss. Instead of asking how, ask who can help you become a better listener. Um, how would you uh, differentiate the application at, at home or at work? I mean, is there any difference at all to, to one or the other? Maybe I think you mentioned earlier that people tend to think they're better at this at work than they are at home. And is it because people kind of just take a load off? Like what, what happens in that transition between home and work? They think I don't have to focus. I don't have to anchor. I don't have to 
summarize? Uh, I, my first response would be figure out who that who is that's going to help you partner in this. If you want to be a better listener, find that person at work and find that person at home. Oftentimes it's a spouse at home to say, I, I really truly want to get better at this and I'm, I want to tell me when I'm not. Tell me when I'm not listening. Help me with this. Same thing at work. Oftentimes in meetings, especially in meetings, I know somebody's sitting around the table that I've shared this with. After the meeting, I go right to them and I ask them, how, how did I do it listening? And they give me some thoughts. So engaging a who um, will help you on the how. You'll actually get better at it if you engage the who to do that. Your second question was, you know, is this easier at home or at work? I, that's a tough one. Um, I think it depends on the situation, but I think it's sometimes harder at work, and here's why. I think at work, oftentimes we're paid to provide solutions to problems. We're paid to get results. And actually, it's okay to have this behavior of push hard, go strong, go fast, and it doesn't create the kind of conducive environment for the best type of listening. Um, because And you're actually rewarded for that. I mean, if you think, let's go back to earlier, when my team comes up to me and they've got a problem and I've got a solution, they, you know what they say? Thanks. I just got rewarded. But that's not bringing the most value to the conversation. The better thing to do would be spending a little bit more time helping them actually self-discover the solution to their own problem. And the, I'll just give you one tip that's really helped me over the years, and I shared it earlier, but it's when somebody comes to you with a problem, try this. Just say, hey, you've been thinking about this a lot. What are you thinking about? And just get them to talk a little bit more. You would be amazed. So here's, here's what I hear the problem is. You've been thinking about this a whole bunch. What are you thinking? And the next thing you know, you'd be surprised how far down the path they've actually thought about the solution. The benefit of that is you're able to say at the end of it, one of two things. Hey, here's something else to think about. Or you got it. Go. Well, think how much confidence that gives. Again, go back to anchoring. What did you do? You, you actually provided value. You've, you've built them up in such a way because you've actually helped them figure out their own solution. So that, that's part of the question I have for both of you. So as leaders, when you have an idea, you're pushing forward, you know, obviously both of you are big into to new and leading new things. How, where's that tension of demonstrating patience, David, before you say, I need to jump in and solve this because I unfortunately don't have the time or don't want to, you know, how do you balance that out? We're saying, I want to jump in and help this person. And I don't know if I can, can wait for them to self-discover or say, no, I always try to, how do you, how do you, how do you manage that? Yeah, that's a good question. I would tell you that a lot of the work that we do day in and day out is all about taking new ground and it's not simple, you know, clear, black and white kind of stuff. There's a lot of gray that you have to sort of mire through. And um, one of the techniques that I like to use when I'm with my team is, and, and I am uh, the leader in that team, I ask them to speak up first and just share what they're thinking. I want to I make sure they know that they're heard. And it may be clear that we have consensus, but let's take that scenario where we don't, and it's it's real mixed, and I may have to uh, cast the final vote. I want to make sure everybody uh, feels heard first before I do that. So if it's, if it's a painful thing and it requires self-disclosure, I may share first, but if we're making a decision, I want to make sure everybody feels heard first. 
and then I'll weigh in with my opinion or, if necessary, my deciding vote. Yeah, I, I would say that um, I think you've got to, in that tension, at that moment in time, you need to think about what's most important to you. Is the individual and adding value to who they are and who they want to be the most important thing you're interested in? Or is it the outcome and your time? Mm. And for me, oftentimes, that helps me. I, I slow it down because I want to lean into the person and the individual. And again, that goes back to anchoring. It's like, what's most important here? The solution and my time or the individual and their ability to solve this on their own? That that can help you as you as you navigate this. That's perfect. So what I want to ask both of you is any final advice you would give to a launcher, a go-getter saying, okay, I, I need, I need, I need to listen to customers. Like what, how do I get started? What's, what's my big takeaway? What's your final word for them, David? Kevin, what's running through my head is I like doing business with companies, brands, or I like working with products where I can tell they're interested in what I have to say as a customer or user. They value that. So simple examples. Um, I love Audible, which is Amazon's audiobook company, but they're always asking me what I think. They'll ask me uh, to rate uh, different books. They're making good suggestions. It feels like even though I'm not dealing with a, a live person, I feel like this computer's listening to me. We're, we're, we have a relationship here, and it's getting better and better. Another example would be uh, I use Waze, the traffic app all the time, which now Google owns. And the whole thing is built upon Waze listening to all the other folks that are navigating here in Atlanta, for example, some pretty tough traffic. And we're all sharing information, and it's always asking me to rate it. So it's, it's true with a, a brick-and-mortar brand as well. I love the stores or places where I can just tell they care what I think, and they really will listen and may or may not change as a result of what I share, but um, they're not just patronizing me. So. I would encourage uh, our listeners that are launching to to be that kind of brand, be that kind of company, be that kind of product. That's awesome. What about you, Shane? Uh, maybe just some encouragement. I, I do think that, uh, first off, I, I value the time that each of you are giving to listening to this podcast. And I, I think the best piece of advice I got from Dr. Dallas Dimmitt was more of the time. Just try and do this more of the time. There are going to be – I can't tell you the number of times I walk out of means I go, son of a gun, why didn't I focus more? Why didn't I anchor first? Or why didn't I summarize more? Why am I, why am I having such a challenge? His encouragement to me and my encouragement to you is just work on this more of the time. You know, a great baseball player hits 300. It's three out of ten hits, right? They go pro if they do that. Well, what does your three out of ten look like in your your next couple conversations? How can you just work on this by anchoring a little bit more, by literally focusing in on the conversation, and then summarizing a person's thoughts so that you can help them self-discover the solution to their own challenges? I think by doing that, if we focus on that more of the time, we're going to be a lot better off as leaders. That's awesome. Well, thank you both obviously for for sharing that and shane thank you for being so open and sharing your, your story about how you got here um so thank you for listening to the launch university podcast so right now if you it's your first time listening we're super glad you're here please go to itunes rate the show let us know what you thought about it we'd love to hear your feedback and listen to what you have to say how about how we can improve the show to make sure you are launching well we want to help you 
sustain your idea. And so help us help you. That will be your gift to us for sure. Also, if you go to launchuniversity.com, you'll find the show notes to this. So we'll link to Can You Hear Me Now? So you can get a direct link to the book. We'll share a couple of takeaways that maybe you can kind of pass along to someone else on your team or make sure you just take down in your notes if you're driving your car, as well as have a blog for you as well. So make sure you do that. Subscribe to the email list because we'll send these things out to you as well via email to make sure you can passively get these um, as you go through your day, go through your week. So thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time on the Launch University Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped move you from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Find more great resources at launchu.net.